Trump fires the first shots. And tonight, we invade Monday Night Raw! The podcast it's another wrestling podcast it is called top marks it's another wrestling podcast called top marks my name is justin morissette and i am joined once again as always by your friend and mine the janitor himself josh custodio justin they said it couldn't be done they said you can't do five episodes we did it they said you can't do 10 episodes we did it they said you can't do however many episodes this is and here we are i think this is episode 19 if is I'm that not really mistaken. it I believe that is true. And it's already one of our best episodes, 10 seconds in, I think. I I mean, technically, we've done a little bit of uh, of, of background work here. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. It's got a big pod feel, though, Josh. It's been a while since we've said that, but I feel like this is a very accurate episode uh, to, of course, use that descriptor. Now, if this is your first episode listening to the show, and we probably have some people hopping on for the first time this week. Hello and I love you. Welcome to Top Marks. This is a show where each and every week, Josh and I break down the top three biggest stories in the world of professional wrestling for no longer than 15 minutes at a time, which is, of course, Josh, the length of... Oh, I think a WCW TV title match? Yes. Yeah. And if we do not find a victor in that time limit, the buzzer sounds, and we simply move on to the next topic. But uh, we're going to bend the rules a little bit this week because... Uh-oh. Uh, we got a we got a guest this week, Josh, for the first time ever, and of course, people who are clicking on the on the podcast, they've already seen it in the description, so That's it's right. no mystery to them. I feel like I shouldn't drag it out any longer. Uh, Ian Williams from My Vice. Gosh. 
Yeah, Justin, well, you, you and I both were such big fans of his article on Waypoint Vice this week. Uh, how a simple selfie could represent a real threat to WWE's dominance. W or uh, Waypoint, of course, uh, part of the Vice family. Uh, great website. Yeah, and uh, this is something that we talked about last week. And Jimmy Jacobs and Neville leaving WWE kind of feels like maybe an overreaction on WWE's side to this little selfie. But uh, we're going to get into it with Ian and talk about uh, the rise of the indies and why this is an actual threat uh, to WWE. We certainly as far as like the talented guys that they are maybe not doing as much with as they should be. Yeah, uh, completely. And I think it's extremely timely. As we do, we talk about the biggest topics in the wide world of wrestling. And I think that's extremely one of them. And this is, of course, just a story that continues to snowball here as more and more details come out. And Ian, a smarter man than either of us. Considerably. So, uh, we were very pleased to, to have him here today. And that's coming up before you know it. That's round number one. Josh, what are other rounds this week? Justin, I think I'm going to tell you what we're going to do in round number two right now. I would love it if you did that. This Sunday is uh, WWE's TLC pay-per-view, a Raw exclusive, one of these brand exclusive pay-per-views that we always have such mixed feelings on. Uh, we'll talk about our expectations for the card, run down the matches, do some predictions, all that fun stuff within the 15 minutes. Yeah, and then uh, this was a big week for both you and I. Yeah, we're going to get a little casual in round three. Go, going Put our on feet some up. excursions here. Yeah, we're going to kick our feet back, hands behind the head. We're going to talk about our field trip report, because Justin, where were you on Monday night? On Monday, I was at a house show out in Abbotsford, uh, SmackDown came through Vancouver for basically the third time this year. This, this is like the fourth WWE show, if you include NXT, yep. in the Vancouver area this year, which... If I'm not mistaken, I believe is the most that they've ever been here. That has to be true. Uh, I can't think of any other time they've been around here as much, which is, of course, a great treat for us. I, on Tuesday night, was at SmackDown Live in Seattle, Daniel Bryan's near hometown. He's actually from Aberdeen, but he gets that welcome in Seattle. Uh, yeah, we're going to break down that, what we saw, what we thought, and where we think things are going. And, of course, that was a birthday trip for you. Happy birthday, Thank my you, my friend. dear friend. I love and you. It was you can, a great of course, birthday. reach out to him on Twitter at Josh C. The zero, or the O, rather. There is a zero. Oh, is that your birthday gift to me? Yeah. And then just say, hey, happy birthday, Josh. It's a little late, but, you know. <laughs> you can still, you can do, still it. do it. I like a notification here yeah, and there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so with, with that out of the way, Josh, oh, oh, you're Justin, Justin, we have a new sponsor this week. We do. We have a new sponsor because last week, uh, even though you said the ad, you ended up bleeping out. A bulk of it. The company was unbelievably upset and ended our sponsorship. I mean, it was incredibly vile stuff. I mean, that depends who you're asking. I didn't want our listeners to have to endure what I had to say. <laughs> you're, a good, you're a good man. Yeah. So, uh, Justin, I have uh, a new sponsor for us this week. We're, we're going to keep a roof over our heads. Are you ready? Yes. Because this is for... Dick's Growing Pills. Dick's Growing Pills. Dick's Growing Pills. They make you grow as a person. Justin, do you ever feel like a small person? Uh, not not really. It's never been a problem for me. Yeah, I'm you're what, 6'4"? I'm the big guy. You're a big man, but maybe yeah. uh, in a spiritual sense, a fulfillment sense. Do you ever want to grow as a person? I, do, I ever, do I ever feel small as a human being? Exactly right. Not like it as in my physical form. Exactly correct. Yeah, uh, mentally sometimes I do have weak moments. It sounds like you need... Dick's growing pills. Now, I need to be 100% clear here. They wanted me to really sell this disclaimer. These do not, you know, enhance your... Schlong. Your, yeah, your dick's not getting any... These are dicks. Like, the man's name is Richard. Okay. And he created these. Okay. So they're dicks growing pills, not... 
It's not, yeah, it's not going to do a little number on my ding-dong. Well, <laughs> listen, side effects may vary, but uh, listen, neither of us need any help in that department. So Dick's Growing Pills. If you go to twitter.com slash J0SHC, you can get yourself some Dick's Growing Pills. And just use promo code TOPMARKS for a trial bottle. Well, unfortunately, Justin, the, the promo and discount codes also for Dick's Growing Pills, they don't really give you a discount in the traditional sense. There's no... Okay testers really it's full price still unfortunately but that is what that's part of the growing experience is to think that you're gonna get that discount and you have to handle the disappointment and learn to better yourself as a person you genius advertiser all right and with that let's move on to round number one round one fight Now, Josh, you and I kind of talked about this last week, the whole Jimmy Jacobs and Neville leaving WWE. We did. Uh, but we are maybe not uh, as experts uh, on Jimmy Jacobs in particular. We're giant idiots. As uh, some other people out there. So we reached out for a guest this week, and we got a great one. Uh, Ian Williams from Vice, who wrote about this exact issue this week, a great article that we'll put out on the Twitter feed. Uh, Ian, first of all, thank you for, for joining us here on Top Marks. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you wrote about uh, Jimmy Jacobs' unfortunate departure from WWE this week, and and more than that, just kind of what this sort of swell within the independent wrestling scene means as a threat to WWE and why they are so uh, scared, basically, of what is really a simple selfie. You would think that like they're bringing more attention to it by freaking out about it than it otherwise would receive, but there's probably reason for them to be scared. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, one of the counters that you get, um, and uh, this is kind of an easy counter, uh, is, well, WWE is not really going to be hurt. And in this kind of like uh, overall bottom line sense, it's true, right? Like they are so big. I wrote an article uh, uh, speaking to Chris Harrington um, about a month and a half ago about just how much bigger WWE is than everybody else. And it's, it's, it's staggering. Like it's all like, like, like it's geometric in scale. It's not like, Oh, WWE is like two times as big as new Japan. Right. It's like 20 or 30 times. I can't remember the exact figures. So like WWE is not going to be hurt by people, um, uh, leaving, but, um, what I think you find with like large large companies that essentially um, approach monopoly status is that they start getting very very weird about having their hegemony challenged in relatively small ways, right? So when I, as soon as I saw like the cease and desist uh, for the Young Bucks, right, which was a like it wasn't that big a deal, like <laughs> honestly. Um, and like WCW didn't even do that to uh, you know to WWE like you know they didn't really try to retaliate for the original DX invasion that I can recall um, at least be- not legally because if you're Coca Cola you don't even acknowledge Pepsi exists exactly right because and y- yeah like but like once you have like ninety five percent market share whatever the hell it is so like companies like WWE have you start getting really weird right yeah. because it's not really about the money at that point it's really about um, control and um the sense that like these companies kind of work by logic that isn't really easy to articulate by just normal assholes like us right (laughs) like 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 we're sitting here looking at this and they're like oh this is this is completely crazy why did they do that but wwe is thinking like 
well, no, we need to make certain that we have the same amount of control that we have now perpetually into the future, right? Um, so, so, so you get these, and, and, and I don't think that you're going to see that slow down. I think you're going to see really weird retaliations kind of like that. And it's not even going to be specifically like Vince McMahon doing it, right? You know, like, like back in the day, you could point to Vince McMahon and say, okay, well, this is Vince McMahon being weird, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't get the impression that this is Vince McMahon being weird. This feels in the absence of more information, kind of like, um, kind of like just, just one of those corporate decisions that was set in motion, right. It, as, as, as kind of like a, 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 a mind meld sort of decision operating again under its own logic. Right. Um, so I, I, I think that my hunch is that you'll see more of that. It kind of perfectly tracks to the WWF-WCW comparison as well. I mean, obviously it's not a, a rival company in this case, but it's like the, the just the presence of a strong independent scene where guys can go out on their own is kind of the biggest threat that they've had since WCW folded. And it is ironic to me that it is like the exact same sort of guys that you would see jump ship out of WCW uh, to head to WWF back in the late 90s who are doing this now kind of out of WWE. It's these talented cruiserweights who find themselves pigeonholed in kind of the exact same roles that say like a Chris Jericho or like a Dean Malenko did back in the day. Uh, yeah, that's that's really perceptive um, because um you, you you get this thing where people say, well, WWE reminds me so much of like late era WCW. And that usually feels like a little glib to me. But um, right now, it's like, I, I don't know how else you can view it. So you've got Aries, you've got Neville, um, you've got Cody Rhodes, who, while not a cruiserweight, is that kind of like nimble guy. Um, we're not really going to count Ryback because he doesn't really do anything. <laughs> wow. Um, how dare you? <laughs> Sorry to all the Ryback fans out there. <laughs> Sitting next to a big one right here. Um, uh, and, you know, there's, there's, uh, yeah, like, like it's, and, and, and New Japan is just, like, New Japan and Ring of Honor are just, well, Daniel Bryan's obviously going to go, right? Yeah. Like, like, and, and, and I say this, like, I don't really want Daniel Bryan to go because I don't want Daniel Bryan to die. And I think that his health is really, uh, you know, probably pretty precarious um, because the way WWE chews up, uh, through wrestlers like um, on the one hand he's so big that I don't think they could afford him being um, you know permanently injured in the ring uh, for PR reasons but at the same time like if somebody's that over you know he's still he's still not even wrestling is still like one of the what four most over guys in the company mm -hmm. I was in um, Seattle last night for Smackdown and he seems like the number one most over guy in the company still yeah so like obviously somebody somebody at WWE would 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 think if there's any chance like yeah let's go ahead and, and put him back in the ring um but at the same time like when was the last time someone you you would have to go back to like kurt angle and the circumstances were so different um uh with his like substance abuse and stuff like that and legal problems um uh so you would have to go back like maybe to Kurt Angle to somebody for somebody that well regarded um both as a wrestler and just like how over they are um, to find someone who's like, no, I'll see you later. WWE. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah it's, it's so, so, so like that feels more than anything else. Like it's 
I'm really going to be looking to see what happens with Daniel Bryan, how much money he makes, where he ends up going, yeah. you know, how much it boosts Lake House. You know, I've, I've, I've got this running like gag bet with um, Aaron Taub, uh, Taube um, on um, whether or not, like he's absolutely convinced that New Japan can come to the United States and sell out a 10,000 seat arena. Like, you know, I, th- I think they're doing one in like a joint show with Ring of Honor in uh, New Orleans or something like that in February. I can't remember. And I'm just like, look, there's, there's no way, right? And, and Chris Harrington, I think is is that that's also something we talked about um, when I interviewed him, and he was like, look, you know, like nobody can sell out a ten thousand seat arena except WWE. Like, it's just at least not in the United States. It just it doesn't happen. It doesn't even really get that close to happening. But I'll bet you Daniel Bryan could. Oh yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and and that'll be a thing. Because like even these Global Wars shows this past weekend. I think the the biggest one topped out at like three thousand, and that was right. thought to be like a huge success. Yeah, like like, like people freak out about it. I, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not an expert on on um, on draws and stuff like that because that's not really like like how many seats get sold because it's not really my area of expertise. Not but, that you know, interesting, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, it's like bless the people who like you know are interested in crunching those numbers because it's not me. But um, uh, yeah, it's like it's. It, it, like it really is 10,000 seats is a lot. Um, oh yeah. So like, like Daniel Bryan will be the tell, right. You know, if I not mean, him, just, then who? yeah, right. Exactly. If, 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 if Daniel Bryan can't do it, um, you know, particularly on that, like comeback show, right. Like how oh, hot man. would that be? Oh, man. Um, you know, then, then I'm not sure if anybody could ever do it. So, Ian, even though there isn't a super strong second competitor to WWE, why does it feel like the stage is so set for these exoduses to happen and for people to have success on the indies? Because I don't think that existed 10 years ago. Um, you know, I, like, I, I have a hard time answering that because I don't really know. It just may be a combination of... Uh, what you get when when a fandom uh, in anything kind of uh, contracts, um, right. and, and I think wrestling is still culturally relevant, right? Or else I wouldn't have a job. Any number of people wouldn't. <laughs> um, but um, when it contracts, it also kind of like gets distilled, right? So like the wrestling fans that are there, they know a lot about wrestling. Um, so and and with the more accessibility, um, you know, uh, uh, with indie feds. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, I think that combines so that people can go see their favorite stars and like follow them around. Like I, I kind of compare it to, I'm, I'm a big soccer fan. Um, but I also came to soccer kind of like late in life and I've got my team, which is Arsenal, <laughs> but I also, I've found that like, as players have left since I've become a fan, like you kind of follow your favorite players around, right? Because because people move like every three years and soccer is like, there's so much soccer out there that you can really like follow your favorite guy, um, watch him on TV, on all the streams and, and, and online and through social media and stuff like that. And you could really follow somebody's career. And pro wrestling doesn't feel that different to me now, right? Like, like what is a small fed at this point, right? Yeah. Well, you know, you... You can draw. You, you've got these places that are putting on good shows. Maybe they drop five hundred, a thousand, you know, a thousand on the outside. I don't know, but you put that on TV, right, or, or or YouTube or whatever, and you know, you get a big name who's going through. You know, it kind of feels like that territory, like moving around the territories kind of thing. And if your dude is on there, then you go to it and you watch, and it's accessible, and you just do it. Um, 
you know, and, and that translates to more money for for those 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 guys feeling like testing the indies. How much has uh, Cody Rhodes' run this past year been kind of like a a pilot project for the rest of the WWE mid card to see that like there is a, a life out there beyond this company? Well, Dave Meltzer was saying the other day, it may have been yesterday or something like that, that he is aware of several people who have been talking to Cody Rhodes, right? Now, he, he doesn't name names, but it, it's really clear, and I think that there's kind of a subtext if you read what Cody wrote about having to strike on his own when he did that um, uh, that post about finally leaving WWE and being frustrated. There's, there's always seemed to be a subtext that, he realized that people were watching him, right? Like, like, like it's one of those things that I can't point to a particular quote. It's just this feeling that I get looking at how the past year has unfolded and how he's conducted himself, that he realizes that people are looking at him and seeing if he's going to fail or whether they want to follow, right? Um, so in that sense, it really does feel like his his year in New Japan and Ring of Honor has been a very long trial balloon for a lot of people, you know, if, if Dave's to be believed, um, that, uh, that are at least considering seeing what else is out there. And, and I mean, like, I like Cody Rhodes, but he's no, you know, world conquering superstar. Like if he can do what he's doing, then you would think that like the sky should be the limit for somebody who can do the kind of things that Neville can do, or like a guy with the natural charisma of like Rusev, for example. Yeah, like um, I, uh, I am actually, you know, a Cody Rhodes fan, um, you know, uh, but I also recognize his limitations. Um, so he said, um, and, and he didn't toss out a figure, but at one point he said that he's made more on the indies this year than he did in a year at WWE, right? Wow. Now, not knowing any figures or anything like that, that's still... Like, even in the absence of figures, that's a huge claim to make, right? And if it's true, like, you start thinking about dudes like Rusev, Cesaro seems like, you know, the real one that could go to New Japan and just unload with some, you know, great stiff matches. Um, you know, uh, Daniel Bryan, of course, um, Neville, all, all these guys. So, like, if Cody can do it, I mean... You know, and like, like, like the pool of money is finite. Like WWE essentially has what amounts to in wrestling terms, it seems to be like a limitless pool of money, you know? So, so, so there is the risk that the Indies can only absorb so many people at, you know, WWE levels of money. Um, but, you know, I bet you three or four of them could do okay. No question, yeah. There's a ton of people in that mid-card. I think in your article you called it the beige WWE mid-card that people could really escape. And you're talking about the, the financial viola- via- viability, but what about the creative one? How happy are these guys? You know, Are they being creatively fulfilled at WWE? And do the indies, in your opinion, give them a little more freedom to play with that? Um, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I write in the article about um, IWA uh, Mid-South, um, which is where I encountered Jimmy Jacobs for the first time. And uh, so, like, in 2005, I was not really watching much wrestling at all. Like, I kind of caught, um, you know, around that period, I kind of caught, like, the Guerrero and Benoit stuff. Um, but other than that, like, I-, I was incredibly turned off by Cena and Orton, and I was just like, this this, this sucks. Um, and, like, my friend came over, and he had some, like, IWA Mid-South tapes, and, he- and I still watched, like, old wrestling, and he was like, let's 
you know, let's like, like watch this. This is really cool. And I watched it and I remember what I was struck by, by was, was the fact that like, people were just able to do whatever they wanted to, right? Like it wasn't yoked to this big machine and it looked like they were having fun and it looked like they were being inventive. And it's going to vary from like indie to indie and stuff like that. But I just refuse to believe that Rusev, if he had a choice to do whatever he wanted to with his character, would job to Randy Orton in five minutes, right? Yeah. Like, or or cut, like, the same promo. I refuse to believe that Nakamura is happy right now doing the, uh, you know, the same, like, stick his finger in a light socket motion over and over and over <laughs> again as, a, like, a physical catchphrase. Like, like I just, I, it's, like, I refuse to believe it, right? Um, now, people are in it for a different reason and for different reasons, and it's a dangerous job. And I would never, you know, I'm I'm also legitimately a fan of WWE. Like, sometimes I feel like when I'm talking on social media and stuff like that, I'm the only person, you know, <laughs> in my in, in, in my professional and and um, and 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 personal circles who, who really likes WWE more than he dislikes it. it. You know, I find it frustrating. I'm not going to lie about that, but I do like it. Um, but like, I just, um, you know, I refuse to believe that, 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 that some of those people are, are, are happy and wouldn't be happier, uh, you know, elsewhere where they could do what they want, you know? And if an indie's going to give it to them, if new Japan's going to give it to them, um, then like, why wouldn't you try, you know? Um, one of the very few things that I find admirable about Vince McMahon and, and, and it's ruthlessly capitalist, but it, you know, he always leaves the door open, right? Mm. Like, you know, it, you can go. And if you, you know, if you don't shut the door yourself, like say CM Punk did or something like that. And even maybe in CM Punk's case, like you can get back in, right? Yeah. Like, like there's go, still money to be made. Right, go find yourself, right? Instead of like fucking around in, you know, in the mid card with like 50-50 trade-offs with Dolph Ziggler or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Like 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 go see what's out there. You know, you can come back. I got one more question for you Ian and then we'll we'll sure. let you go. Uh you know, Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, they they seem to spark this sort of like indification of the WWE, the opening these doors for guys that we, we never thought we might see in the company. Does this new trend kind of point towards that maybe like coming to an end? And I realize that that's a, a weird question when, you know, Kevin Owens is still basically the main character of SmackDown. Um, so I think, I think yes and no. Um, in the sense that I think that if you look at it, a, a lot of the indie guys who came up but went through NXT um, have not done uh, – they're not at the top of the card. I mean, Kevin Owens is – we're going to see about Sami Zayn. Um, I feel like I'm almost talking myself into a corner. I, I, I guess I mean it more as like a sustained – as a sustained thing, yeah. right? So like – in the end, no matter how well, like Nakamura will eventually have a title. We saw it with AJ Styles, who didn't come through NXT, admittedly. Um, you know, like they always get to uh, Balor, um, they always get to a certain point, and then they inevitably start moving back down the card for what amount to WWE's homegrown talents, right? Um, so we think about like Roman Reigns, right? Um, we think about 
you know, Cena and Orton, obviously. Um, Even a, I, a Jinder Mahal right now. Right, a Jinder Mahal. Um, and, you know, as as legendary as their indie careers were, I think that you can almost make a case for Rollins and Ambrose feeling more like WWE homegrown talents, By right? Oh, like, yeah, like, for yeah. sure. You know, like, like, like they don't really feel like that NXT new, um, uh, new way of thinking about um, developmental wrestling. Like, lately, they don't feel like those guys. Um, so, in that sense, like it, like it does seem like it's kind of dead. But on the other hand, like I'm not sure where else they're going to get people. You know, the alternative. You know, the, the 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 reality is is that Roman Reigns is only ever going to be so popular right like no matter how hard they push him he's only going to sell so many t-shirts and it's i don't think it's ever going to be as much as like cena or orton over a sustained period of time um so there need to be other people and the alternative is that you know once once cena and orton and that generation of people are gone the alternative to, to indie guys is like you're going to be getting what football players uh you know, ex-basketball players, uh, amateur wrestlers. I mean, you know, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily seem like something that they're going to go back to do to, to doing. I do think that there may be uh, the ricochet signing aside. I do think that there may be like over the next five years more of just picking up like, you know, the physically big, uh, more traditional WWE style guys like 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 that wouldn't surprise me. Um, but, uh, yeah, beyond that, I, I'm not sure. Certainly, like, I don't think they're going to be picking up a bunch of cruiserweights because I can't imagine that the cruiserweight um, division is long for the world. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ian, well, thank you so much Thanks, for Ian. joining us. Uh, and, of course, they can find you. Uh, people can find you on Twitter at Brock underscore Tune. And your work is available on Vice. And any other places you want to plug right now? Um. Oddly enough, no. That's like one of the rare things. Um, but yeah, thanks for. <laughs> Usually, I'm like, yeah, no, I got this thing going on. Um, but uh, thanks for having me so much. This was fun. Come yeah. back again. So many good Absolutely. points. Absolutely, we'd love to have you back. We'll do. Thanks, Ian. Terrific stuff there. Oh, really. Wow. Just a very smart man. Why are we doing a show? I don't. I yeah. It seems like we should just wrap up at this. I point. almost don't want to air it because they're going to be like. Oh, well, the, oh, clearly wow. Ian is yeah. much smarter. Why would I come back and listen to these guys? <laughs> these guys are idiots. Again. I can just go read his articles. Exactly. They'll be way better. Exactly. Great article, though, as we said. Yeah. And if you have not read it yet, he I'm surprised uh, I, that we didn't talk more about Jimmy Jacobs within that interview. But, yeah. uh, you know, because that is kind of the crux of, of Ian's piece is, like, uh, what a tragedy it is for this to be kind of – his opportunity to join his peers in the WWE right. and not, you know, have it be an in-ring role and that it's just sad to see that it has come to an end uh, for him. But maybe eventually he works his way back. Maybe even as a creative person, you can leave the WWE and go prove yourself on the indies and eventually be welcomed I, back again. I don't see a reason why he couldn't, you know. I mean, so many people since he's left have come out and been like, okay, look at all of these great things he had a hand in. I'd love to see it, and it sounds like uh, Ian would, too, who I trust. Yeah. Well, let's move on from there to Oh, round. Justin, Justin, Justin. What am I forgetting about you're now? You're trying to get into to round number two, and I'm here, and I'm not surprised you're trying to glaze over it, but we have been keeping track of who has been winning the rounds these past couple weeks. True. 
And uh, I challenged you to a uh, uh, judging a victor uh, at the end of every show. Correct. So of the three rounds we do every week, I, Josh Custodio, go back and listen to our show, which I must say, pretty good. And uh, I award us who who won the rounds, who made the better points. You know this. Yeah. Uh, Justin, I'm not going to give you the round by round breakdown, but this one was for all the marbles. This was our finale to our quasi. This was a winner best. takes all, even though I was up, I was up four nothing in the series. Well, I don't know. I don't know about the four nothing. I don't remember. That you was a challenged while. Challenged me. This was a winner takes all week, and Justin, I'm so sorry to inform you that I swept all three rounds last week. Well, how is that even possible? Well, I, I I call it down the middle, man. I don't I, think you, I, mean, I am the winner. No, I have the better wrestling no, opinions. You accepted the challenge. That is garbage. This officiating will not stand. What you won almost? I you need won an, I need an outside arbiter to come in and no. break down. No, this is not. You swept all three? Yep. There has never been a clean sweep <laughs> in the history of judging the Rams. Yeah, but I told you last no, week I was really going to bring the fire. This stinks. This <laughs> smells no. like rotten fish, and I know that you're behind this. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know who has the better wrestling opinions. And with that... Ridiculous. Let's move on to round, round number two. two. Round two. Fight. <laughs> Justin, uh, have you ever climbed a ladder before? Uh, a few times You in can't go life. under them. You can't go on no it's bad luck you climb over the ladder have you ever uh, sat in a chair before i'm sitting in one as we speak and have you ever in your life seen a table uh all of my gear is set up on one right this second the only thing we're missing in this room right now is a ladder but i have climbed one of those before well justin then you're gonna be right at home this sunday on the wwe network because we're gonna be watching probably together i would imagine as we often do uh tlc uh the raw brand exclusive exclusive pay-per-view offering this week how are you feeling just let's start here What's your general excitement Be- level? Before we even look at the card itself, yeah. it is weird. Like, TLC in the past has been kind of like an Extreme Rules-style pay-per-view yes. where every match has this, its own stipulation. Even we get, stairs we one get a, year. a TLC main event, but then there's also, like, a ladder match, a chairs match, and, you know, the chairs match was actually pretty good last year. I, I thought it was the match of the card. Baron uh, Kalisto Corbin. and Baron Corbin. And that's Kalisto. right. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, a tables match as well, uh, which, you know, you would think, looking over this card, that there would be room for those along the way. That There is room you know, for that, them. That, that each one of these matches outside of the main event has the potential to see one of those stipulations. That's not what we're getting. We are only getting a TLC main event. But it's not even really a real TLC match to me because I'm pretty sure this match is going to end with a pinfall. Yeah, what are they going to hang from because the n- roof? Yeah, nothing. There's not a briefcase. There's not – I mean, multiple guys in the match have titles, but there's no belts there's no on, title the on the line. line. This is just a match that happens to have these weapons available in it. And yet, here I am sitting beside you and still so excited for this main event The on main Sunday. event is going to be spectacular. Do you think that they maybe just made that the only TLC or hardcore rules match because they want it to seem special? Because the Shield's return is such a big thing? I mean... I think it's going to be special no matter what because, like, it is obviously, like you said, the Shield's first match back as a unit, which is itself a huge drawing point. Uh, but, like, if you look at the overall talent in this match, which has grown from week to week, it was originally the Shield versus Miz and the Bar, and then Braun Strowman got added into the mix because, obviously, the Shield already ran roughshod over those three guys. And, uh, you know, now we've added a fifth member to the heel team in Kane. A returning Kane. Which was actually a genuine surprise on Monday, not just because 
uh, it seemed like if anybody was going to return to Raw, it would be Samoa Joe, but because Kane isn't even a Raw superstar. He was from SmackDown. Yeah, man, despite uh, being on the show talking about how little I like guys just jumping shows during the brand split era because it kind of makes the whole thing seem stupid, I was legit very excited to see Kane on Monday. And he's been gone for long enough that conceivably he could have moved over during the last shuffle, and we were just never made aware of Actually, that. that's true, too, or maybe he was a big free agent like John Cena. The show's just <laughs> Couldn't get enough. They are battling for Kane. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a big political player now. <laughs> well done. But all five of those guys on the heel team, plus the Shield, that's eight competitors who, you know, maybe Kane notwithstanding, but I think there's even an argument for him, are all genuine, legitimate main event talents. And a guy like Cesaro has never been treated that way officially. But he, but he definitely is one. For sure. And this is a match that, like, look, we talked last week about how long that Hell in a Cell match with Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon went. 38 minutes, close to 40 so minutes long. total. One of the lengthier main events we've seen recently. I would be stunned if this match did not well exceed that. Because when you look at how thin this card is and how stacked this match is with just top participants from front to back, it seems to me that this match kind of has to be like close to an hour long, if not maybe even longer. Well, I mean, you all have almost the same amount of competitors as a traditional Survivor Series match, and those always go 45 minutes to an hour. I think last year's actually was closing in on an hour, and I loved it. It was so, spectacular. Like you, I'm fully expecting to see that on Sunday. And you know what? Totally into that. I want to see the Shield wrestling as the Shield again. On the heel side... There's going to be a lot of interesting interplay between those guys. Even Kane and Braun Strowman being on the same team seems bizarre to me. What does that look like? And I, I can't wait to see all the uh, pieces fall into place. I love kind of Miz as this ringleader heel figure as well. Which and smart. He, he has been playing well on television over the last three weeks, but it's just like the perfect role for him. And like they are finally figuring it out, how to use this guy as a top heel and not you know, uh, a, a top talent, but stuck as, like, your mid-card foil, basically. And I really enjoy pu uh, p putting Miz in a position that he looks so smart, that he's gathered a team that he doesn't have his Miz Taraj with him. It isn't Bo, Dallas, and Curtis Axel, who I think in kayfabe are probably a little too weak to be Though facing the Though, my goodness, shield. Curtis Axel was great <laughs> on Raw this <laughs> He's week. such a dork. It's so and, good. like, Miz's face when he was told that Axel had gone off to attack Roman Reigns by himself, <laughs> just, like... <laughs> He knew exactly how that was going to go. <laughs> he sold it perfectly. He, like, for all we, we crap on him for being, like, a direct-to-DVD sort of star, guy, yeah. he, he genuinely is, like, a very good actor. Oh, no question, especially in a pro wrestling context. But replacing them with the bar and then going for Braun Strowman, probably the strongest book guy on the show, and then even a returning Kane. This is a formidable team. Now, while I don't think they're going to be beating the Shield on Sunday, and I wonder what you think, that's a formidable-ass team that I can at least sort of buy into it. It suddenly becomes... A question mark. That's right. Because I think we all think that the Shield naturally have to win their return match. Mm -hmm. Because there's just going to be so much elation seeing them back together that you want to see them overcome the this insurmountable uh, team of heels. 5v3. But yeah. it's also we're headed towards Survivor Series. And, you know, 
typically we're going to see some five-on-five matches there. So maybe this doesn't work out in favor of the Shield, and they do need to call for backup, and we see this continue into the next pay-per-view. Yeah, the timing of Survivor Series is super convenient for them in terms of me believing that the Shield could lose, because exactly like you said, maybe they lose the numbers game, they do really well, have a good showing, but Braun specifically is too much to overcome, and they have to go recruit two more. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, because having the numbers game on their side is the Shield's bag. This is a dominant, dominant force, and... uh, I'm picking them on Sunday. How about you? Uh, yeah, I th- just because it is their first match back, barring some sort of outside interference that stacks things even further in the heels' favor, and I'm not talking about Axel or, oh, okay. or, or Bo Dallas, but like a, a big name, maybe a Samoa Joe, who we were kind of expecting to come back right. in Kane's spot originally on, on Monday. Somebody like that, or even... You know, given that this seems to be why Kane came back to attack Roman, maybe it's even The Undertaker on Sunday. These are all possibilities. Barring something like that, I definitely think The Shield is going to win this. So we agree, Justin. Very excited for that match. Yeah, there is a ton of interest in this main event. Is that enough to drive interest in the entire pay-per-view? Let's have a look at the rest of that card (laughs) Uh, and find out. Quick answer from me, Justin, would be a hard no on that. Let me give you the next match that's here. Because there's no Brock Lesnar on this card, and the bulk of your champions outside of that are all in your main event, there are not a lot of title matches here. Well, don't worry. There is one in Alexa Bliss versus Mickey James for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. I have to be clear. I actually think this build's been pretty good. Mickey has sort of reminded me she's good on the mic. I'm semi-interested in this match. And I will give them credit because this has a build that goes back further than even they are acknowledging right now. Yeah, all the way to SmackDown. This is a feud that goes right back to Mickey's re-debut on SmackDown last year. That story never got told on SmackDown, and then it seemed like they dropped it when they brought both of them over to Raw. The fact that we are getting this feud now, I'm, I'm happy to see it because I wanted to see it on the blue brand before, and I think, you know, is this going to be the best combination of women's wrestlers that they have at their disposal on Raw? No. But is it going to be probably a good match? I hope so. I think there's reason to think it could be all right. I think it could be pretty good. Who are you taking? Uh, Alexa's going to hold on to it there. I got to think she retains too. Justin, there is a women's match on this card that I am very excited about. Really? The Empress of Tomorrow is showing up to TLC to show the women what's up. As Asuka makes her debut against Emma. And this is, outside of the main event, probably the only reason to be excited for this pay-per-view. What about uh, uh, Bray Wyatt? He's got the woman Let's not even talk about that right now. Oh, okay, okay. But I guess technically maybe there are four women's (laughs) matches on this pay-per-view, which might be a first in WWE history. Uh, But I am really excited for this. I'm, I'm nervous. Uh, You know, as we talked about with Ian last round, there's a lot of guys who come through NXT and look great there. It doesn't translate to the main roster. And this has even been the case for the women as well. Like, you think about how surefire it seemed that Bailey and Sasha would be just, like, superstars. I didn't think that of Bailey. I I definitely saw it in Sasha that she could be kind of like an unparalleled star, the the likes of which like the women's division has maybe never had before. Sure, yeah. And she is certainly not that. Oh, she is far from that. And a far cry from it. And Bailey seemed like a can't-miss babyface. And she 
has collapsed as well. There's a lot of question marks for me in terms of how Asuka is going to be handled in the main roster, particularly on Raw. I kind of liked her chances a little bit better on SmackDown where the women's division is just handled better overall. I mean, Asuka and Charlotte's the dream match, right? Absolutely. So maybe we build to that over the course of the next year. I hope so. But uh, as a debut opponent, I think Emma is great. She's very uh, underrated as a ring talent, and she doesn't often get the opportunities to show that off. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I think this match should be really good. And, in fact, uh, there's a third women's match, like I alluded to, on this card as well, which might be a pre-show match. We'll see. But even still, I think having three women's matches on a Raw pay-per-view is the first time that this has happened. To my knowledge, it is if they all end up making the main uh, making the main card. SmackDown, it has happened before. But for Raw, this right? would be a first. Cool. Uh, that third one that you're talking about there is Alicia Fox for Sasha Banks. I don't think we have to linger on this one for too much, Justin. I think Sasha Banks is going to win. Yeah, kind of a thrown-together feud over the last little bit. Alicia Fox got her first WWE shirt this week. It's awful. It's very it's bad. but targeted it's... directly at furries exclusively. <laughs> well, then like. I'm in. Yeah. I'm uh, going to get the shirt. You also think uh, Sasha Banks takes this match? I think she has to, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think but, so as uh, well. But we'll probably see some Northern Lights suplexes from Alicia Fox. Those are always good. <laughs> I like those, I think. Yeah. But now that uh, Jason Jordan's here, I don't know if she has the best one in the government. We can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, how about another woman? Sister Abigail has a match <laughs> on Sunday, Justin. Ugh. This feud fucking sucks. Yeah. I am the biggest Bray Wyatt apologist and defender on earth, I and l- I, I just can't find anything to, to grab onto with them anymore. I like both of these guys an enormous amount. Like, Still? Yeah, not... I mean, yeah, and kind of the way that I still have, like, some attachment to Dolph Ziggler because he was my guy back in the day. Like a Stockholm it's like Syndrome. like this piece of you that just can't let go. Sure. And I think Bray is actually still a very strong performer. I think he's, like, charismatic and that of he course. is good in the ring. Look, I have ripped on the law before, uh, and I try not to listen to it anymore because it just makes me angry. Good. But this week, they were talking about how Bray Wyatt has never had a good match. And to me, what? that's fucking bullshit. What do they that mean? is crazy revisionist history to say that he has never been good in the ring. What is His that? entire Cena feud was excellent. He... What do you... Never had a good match? That's such a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> he has many. Him and Roman and Hell in a Cell is great. Yeah. The triple threat with his AJ whole, and Cena is great. His <laughs> whole feud with Roman was great and honestly was one of those mid-card feuds that got both guys over. And I think that they were hoping for something like that with this Finn feud. It has obviously not gone that way oh. at all. Who are you taking? Uh, probably Bray. I think Finn. Just we'll disagree on this Finn one. has taken the previous two. It seems like... Is he a pumpkin now? Ray is, that the thing? is dug deep into his bag of tricks to become possessed by Sister Abigail, which I'm still holding on to hope that this is just a spiritual possession and that, like Enchantress, the villain of Suicide Squad, okay. that that spirit can leave his body and take uh, hold of a woman... And eventually be an actual character as well. But I think this, comparing this feud to Suicide Squad is very apt. Yeah, because <laughs> they're, they're, both they're both terrible. Yes. Uh, I just like that's my impression of Sister Abigail as a character is like Cara Delevingne in as Enchantress, basically. And like that should be 
attainable. That should be a, a, a doable good yeah, character yeah. for the women's division. But if this is what Sister Abigail is presented as right now, maybe we should just drop the whole thing. But like this also seemed like the last trick in Bray Wyatt's <laughs> bag of tricks. Like it sh- the and Sister it Abigail going, was his out. <laughs> it is going so fucking badly. Uh, the opposite of going badly, I think Enzo Amore's run here has been uh, better than I expected here in the Cruiserweight division. Yeah. And we've talked about this. And it seems like kind of his heel run might be shorter than we thought because while the crowd had soured on him before he turned heel, it has not taken them very much to come back around. Absolutely not. And, and Kalisto, a guy who I think is responsible for Ryback, Baron Corbin, and Enzo Amore's best in-ring singles matches, I think there's reason to think, not that this is going to be a blowaway cruiserweight match, that you might walk away and think, that was worthy of the cruiserweight title. What do you think? The only thing he can't do is talk. And honestly, for a cruiserweight title match, I don't need a great promo from the Kalisto side of things. Sure. That's He's going to do some really cool spots, like the Salida del Sol off the top rope that won him the belt in the first place. Yeah. I do feel like, though, that this is a short-lived title reign for him and the belt does flip back to Enzo because that is definitely where the entire division is built around right it now. It really seems like the right idea to me, especially Enzo now flanked by some of the other heels on 205 Live. I really think that it's the, the right move to have it back on Enzo. We might see a six-man tag added to this thing with Elias and the club versus Jordan and uh, uh, Titus, uh, Worldwide, Titus Worldwide, but we don't even know yet. And I'm not hugely interested in that anyways. But that's 15 minutes right there. Boy, that was good. Yeah. Uh, I think it's time to play everybody's favorite game. No. Were you about to say Sunday Night Tweet? I was going to. Justin, there is no Sunday Night Tweet this week on Top Marks, another wrestling podcast. That's That's been the flagship game. I know. Justin, I. The fans love it. Justin, I know it's the people segment. I know this. But uh, I took some creative liberties this weekend. It was my birthday, as you know, this week. And on Sunday, I was at my family celebration. And uh, you know my mother, a devoted listener to this podcast. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be fun to show her pictures of wrestlers, okay? So okay. Google wrestlers. Show her the picture of the wrestler and have her guess their name. Okay. Your job, Justin, have you figured this out? Is to guess who the wrestlers are from the name that she made up. Whose picture was my mom looking at in a segment I like to call WrestleMommia? I love I love the title. It's a good it's title. It's a great name. Do you like it better than Mom Day Night Raw? Um, they're both top contenders, but I, I lean towards WrestleMommia. Then it's WrestleMommia. Justin, should we just get started? Those were the rules. Yeah, let's do it. Justin... The first picture that I showed my mother, she said his name is The Latin Lover. The Latin Lover. So who, who is a man whose uh, Google image search would bring up a picture that my mother would say, that's The Latin Lover. Now, of course, when we play Sunday Night Tweet, it's current active superstars. That is not the case. That's not the case in here. WrestleMania. You've gone back... Uh, over the ages and, and maybe look at some... Uh, There's nobody too obscure, though. They're, but, they're but they're legends. They're from every Correct. Era. Correct. Okay. Now, le- not all of them are legends, but the old ones are. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go uh, with Latino Heat. Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero. It is not Eddie Guerrero. It's not Eddie Guerrero. It is Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns <laughs> is the Latin lover. I mean, <laughs> ladies, <laughs> ladies love him. I should have seen it coming. This is... This is my, my favorite I was thinking segment. Fandango, but he doesn't, like, look visibly Latin outside of his <laughs> name either. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Justin, are you ready for name number two? Sure. Uh, 
I'm going to give you more hints here than I normally would on Sunday Night Tweet, okay? This okay. next one is an active NXT superstar, okay? Okay. okay. Who my mother, uh, looking at a picture of him, said, oh, Millie Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. Yes. Who who on uh, NXT would my mother think is named Millie Vanilli? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what you'd base the answer off of. Yeah, maybe the Velveteen Dream? It is the Velveteen Dream, Justin. Oh, really? Look at you. You're one for one. Yeah. Oh, one for two. No, I'm counting it. Okay. Justin, what do you think of this so far? You it's fun. No, I like it. I like it. I'm trying to get into the headspace of your mother. Yeah. And it's like it's like uh, you know being a, a great detective. You have to think like a criminal. I have to uh, think like I Mama Custodio. <laughs> Justin, are you ready for name number three? Sure. <laughs> this is maybe my favorite one. Okay. Who did my mother think is named? Redneck man. <laughs> Redneck man. Now, this is someone who is on the active WWE roster. Redneck man. <laughs> someone who she <laughs> thought was a hillbilly. No, uh, a raw performer, a male. <laughs> My mother thinks his name. Ooh. Redneck man. See, I was leaning towards AJ Styles before you gave me Red, uh, that he was a raw performer. That's right. So, uh, huh. I'm going to go with uh, Sister Abigail himself, Bray Wyatt. Wow, that's a really good guess. I wouldn't have taken that angle. It is not Bray Wyatt. It is Papa Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman. <laughs> Redneck man. I mean, he's kind of like a mountain man. Yeah, the hair is like mullet-ish. And I guess like maybe you could go like Ozarks. That kind of counts as like redneck territory maybe. That's right. I could see that. Yeah, it's not It's yeah. not the word. But no, he, yeah, I could see Braun Strowman being like the villain of like a sixth season of Justified. Definitely. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually the perfect role for him, I think. <laughs> Uh, Justin, I showed my mother a photo of a woman in this instance. Okay. And she just said, I'll quote here, is her name BB? Like a bad bitch? She kind of looks like one of the Judds, like Ashley Judd or something. BB. Like Ashley Judd. <laughs> BB. BB. This is a woman on the, the SmackDown line. I'm going to go roster. with uh, Charlotte Flair. It is not Charlotte Flair, Justin. It is. Becky Lynch. Really? Yeah, bad, bad bitch Becky Lynch. Oh, it's not bad. No, that's pretty good. Then yeah. Do you want a bonus one here, Justin? Sure, I would okay, love one. This is this is the the true final one. Okay, okay. Okay. Who did my mother think was named the Kaiser? The Kaiser. <laughs> yeah. So who brings up images of uh, you know? I'm I'm gonna go with Rusev. You know, Rusev would make a great deal of sense, but nothing about this segment seems to make a ton of sense because it is Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> it's the I mean, It's good. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. If we were, like, back in, like, 80s-style WWF where it's, like, more of a live-action cartoon. That's right. I do feel like that's probably a good representation for him yeah. as, like, a Colonel Clink-style, like... Him or, or Cena, I think, with the crew cut, could be the Kaiser. <laughs> Uh, my mother correctly a guessed. German heel. My mother correctly knew who the Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, were, which well, is worth noting. That's very good. She pays attention to your interests and pursuits. Absolutely, Justin. There ends WrestleMania, and with that, we'll move on to round, round number three. Round three. Fight. Uh, Justin, you feel relaxed. Yeah, it's time to kick back after a long week on the road. Uh, kick back, have a couple cold ones of water. Some brewskis. Yeah, yeah, brewskis yeah. that are water. Yeah, water. Aquafina brewskis. Yeah, some, 
Yes, H2O skis. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, I had a hell of a time in Seattle uh, in general, but also seeing uh, SmackDown Live last night. Yeah. I, I, uh, a couple things that struck me off the top, and I'd like to compare them to your house show, uh, was to me that Jinder Mahal came across as a star in person at SmackDown Live on Tuesday. How, how was he at the house show? How was his reception? Uh, not as big as the house show that I went to that was actually in Vancouver proper. Right. Uh, back in June. Abbotsford, a suburb of Vancouver, maybe 45 it, minutes to an hour. It's about close to an hour yeah. outside. So think about wherever you are, what's like an hour outside of where you are. That's a perfect comparison. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a literal perfect comparison. But like, you know. We, Not that relaxed, Justin. We got him in June at like the beginning of the push and and Vancouver having such a large Indo-Canadian population I feel like that played a big role in getting him a massive response I'm sitting here today wearing my modern day Maharaja t-shirt it's a sick shirt is it irony is it sincerity it's inevitability that's what it is oh you son of a bitch um and you know like I was able to buy one of these this time because back in June, Jinder's shirt sold out before the show even started. Wow. Consider what that means. Now, maybe there were some understocking issues, but just that that tells you I think they were expecting it, though, because, like, it was just an arena. It's the biggest arena in Vancouver outside of BC Play Stadium, which is kind of like a WrestleMania-sized venue. That's right. Uh, It's like it's a venue that they would run, like, television if they were to come through here. It's bigger than where I saw television last night. Packed full of Indo Canadians who were all dancing and chanting and just celebrating Jinder Mahal as champion. It was a wonderful sight to see. And it did not have that kind of atmosphere okay. for him uh, on on Monday at the house show in Abbotsford, unfortunately. I do worry if it's oversaturation in general, because like I said, this is the fourth show they've done in the Vancouver area this I could year. That. And I, no TV, all house yeah, shows. And I also feel like that, you know, WWE kind of underestimates how much of this market makes the trek south of the border for television. I really or, think they do. Or maybe they know, and they still wanted to milk whatever extra money they could get out of the market on this house show tour at the same time. Sure. Because it seemed to me, from my Twitter anyways, and people that I interact with locally uh, on wrestling Twitter around our area, mm-hmm. a lot of people went down to Portland for Raw and Seattle for SmackDown, maybe did both on a big road swing or yep. maybe just hit one but went down early uh, like you did for the Tuesday night show. You were there in Seattle on Monday and you missed the house show. It was a sparsely attended show. The yeah. floor was packed, but the like arena seating was not very. Busier or less busy than the NXT show we saw? Mm, probably about the same. Okay, comparable. That's interesting. But that's a like NXT ran a smaller building, so yeah. it felt larger. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Jinder was not as over as before. I mean, he kind of was in a way because they did this main event that was him and Nakamura, which for the most part did not get very much of a reaction. It was not a good match. And yeah. look, I am surprised that I did not take criticism last week for saying that I liked their last pay-per-view match because most of what I've heard and read from people since then is that I might be alone in that opinion. Oh, I didn't watch it. Um, and I should clarify that I watched that pay-per-view spread out over a number of days. Okay. Like, it took me three days and three different viewing sessions it wasn't to a very good match. actually sit down and watch every single piece of that. And it, Ultimately, I kind of enjoyed everything because it never felt like a slog having to sit through everything all in a row. Regardless, the house show match that they had 
was awful. It was unbelievable to me that these guys have been working together, both on the road and on pay-per-view television, you know, you name it, for like several months uh, at this point. Just slow. Yeah, or... and, and like oh, for a, a long stretch, Nakamura just like was doing that come here yeah. kind of taunt and Jinder wasn't buying it, which I feel like they were trying to milk to an audience reaction, but like the longer it went on, the less people wanted to respond because uh... you're not actually wrestling each other. You're standing in the ring looking at each other. Yeah, and that it doesn't just sound felt good. really awkward. But all of the verbal responses were for Jinder. I mean, Nakamura got a couple chants here and there throughout the match, but it was largely a call and response, let's go, Jinder, Jinder sucks, which kind of puts him in Cena territory for, like, as an Indo-Canadian Yeah, I mean, I don't love the comparison, but I totally get where you're going with that. Justin, what were some of the standouts, then, of the house show? If that match was a real stinker, was there any barn burners? We had a triple threat tag match between the Fashion Police, uh, the Colognes, as well as the Hype Bros. Oh, okay. And it was great. Wow, actually. okay, cool. Uh, Tyler Breeze debuted a bunch of new comedy spots, which he has not done on television yet. That Tell us one. Break it here. Some of the funniest things I've ever seen in wrestling. Break it here. Okay, I'll tell you right now. He'll, he'll probably do this on his next pay-per-view match. Uh, but at one point, he uh, got the crowd like fired up that he was going to climb the top turnbuckle and do an aerial <laughs> move off the, off the very tippity top, and people went wild for it. Yeah. And when he got to the top, he started to get like scared. <laughs> it was too high up, and he was he was nervous because he was gonna do like a splash yeah. from the turnbuckle to the middle of the ring. But once he got to the top, got scared, and then went down to the second rung, <laughs> and people were like, "No, go back, go back!" <laughs> and he was like, still thought that was too high, also, <laughs> and went down to the first rung, and was like, "This is just right," and then went to do his splash. But obviously couldn't get Did the air necessary it? and just flopped right on his face. <laughs> like face planted directly into the mat. It was hysterical. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And he had a couple other spots as well. There was a slingshot that went uh, directly into someone's groin as all three teams combined okay. kind of uh, on a good spot there. It was like... Uh, did a sunset flip and then you know the guy stays up instead of like going down into yeah, the yeah. roll up pin and then another member of a different team one of the colognes I think grabbed the guy who was on the ground and slingshotted him directly into the standing guy's crotch that is a great idea it was very inventive and like got a big reaction as well the clones are good wrestlers the only thing was the crowd didn't really know how to react to the hype bros yeah I think that's very fair with th- where they're at right now I feel like their entrance is heel like it sounded like they tweeted their music as okay. well, but then within the match, they had all these face spots, and people didn't know whether to cheer them or not. That's weird, and it? I am glad to hear the match was good. I'll, I'll parlay that into what Brizango was up to at SmackDown, which was uh, finally the debut of Pulp f- Fashion. Yes. I almost said Pulp Faction. Pulp Fashion. And for a birthday present for me, Justin, a, a uh, Quentin Tarantino fan, of course, like so many, a Pulp Fiction fan, and most of all, a, a pro wrestling and Brizango fan. And a fan. Fashion Files fan. And I mean, like everybody, a giant Fashion Files fan. Now, I didn't think it was the strongest Fashion Files, 
but I did think that uh, when he pulls out that syringe and mimics the the Pulp Fiction bringing uh, her back to the Uma Thurman back to life bit, I, I thought it was tremendous. And the Ascension putting out their fists, wanting them to be friends, the fashion for, I was very into it. So it sounds like on both of our shows, Brizango was a highlight, and I think Absolutely. that that's very worth noting. Absolutely. I thought Aiden English was a big uh, show stealer oh. uh, at the house show as yeah. well. And this is a guy who's in ring style I have questioned before. It's not very good. It's having bad strikes. I have seen him multiple times though now over the last several years that I've been going to shows yeah. and I have to say that he has improved immeasurably. He had a match against Sin Cara that I thought was great at oh. the show that I was at. Okay. Uh, but who else was kind was of Was Aiden paired with Rusev you? at your show? No, he was not. Okay, cuz I think that pairing has some some uh, some legs to real it. legs. Uh, the I mean the star, I mean it's tough to say star, but Daniel Bryan in Seattle is always going to feel huge, right? You, like me, were at the retirement. Uh, I think it was an episode of Raw that he retired at yep. in Seattle. So you know what the crowd in that building is like for Daniel Bryan. And that is to say extremely intense and borderline emotional. There were Daniel Bryan chants. Uh, I got there at about 4 p.m. into the arena. I wanted to poke around merch. SmackDown yeah. doesn't start till 5. I've been to two Raws down there. The other one was an Everett, and he was, like I was a surprise too. guest for Miz TV and got a huge reaction That's where he as well. gives the belt to Ryback. Is that right? Uh, I, I wasn't. I can't even remember. I forget what it is. But, but yes, so you know what it's like. And there were Daniel Bryan and Yes Chance long before any wrestling had started. I mean, the arena was going, Daniel Bryan. He was kind of the modern-day Maharaja exactly, of Seattle. Exactly, yes. People were clearly there to see Daniel Bryan. And him opening the show, tremendous reaction, as you saw. And that having Sami Zayn interrupt him in Seattle, I thought was a stroke of genius in terms of getting Sami Zayn booed. Uh, Sami Zayn delivering that promo, or another clear highlight of the show, but really getting to watch Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in a tag team match with each other. For the first time in WWE. It was, and the match completely delivered. Uh, I couldn't get enough of it. Seeing Sami Zayn, who even heals so hard for me to boo, but I did do it because I'm a good wrestling fan. I did boo Sami Zayn. Yeah, because, you know, you're sitting around so many kids. Oh. It's, it feels like you ruin the show when you don't react how you're supposed okay. to. I need to subvert us here for a second. Okay. I was seated beside this 11-year-old boy named Danny. And Danny, I doubt you're listening to this, even though you did follow me on Twitter and said <laughs> you're going to listen. Danny is an 11-year-old guy who lives on Reddit. Yeah. Okay? This guy, which I mean tells you about Reddit posts. And he – I agree with him on almost everything He's, about wrestling. He sounds like, like, from what I heard, this is kind of the exact fan that I would be <laughs> – if internet culture exactly. today existed when I was watching back in, like, 98. Exactly, and it didn't for us, right? Yeah. So it had never occurred to me. So Danny's takes, he was like, I really hope WWE doesn't waste Nakamura. And I was like, as soon as he walked in, he sat down. I was like, what's up, man? He was so friendly. So uh, he really helped make the experience for me. He was a riot. Not a Randy Orton fan, I can tell you that. Uh, which is strange because I'm usually shocked at how over Orton is when I go to live events. Are you ever shocked at how big he is? Mm, sometimes, Dude, yeah. Orton's a big man. I was sitting in front of, uh, at the house show on Monday, probably a, like a kid who couldn't have been older than like four or five years old. Yeah. Who like... Uh, maybe had just recently learned to speak, so maybe even younger than that. Maybe yeah. like three. Real kid. Yeah. And yeah, and like loved AJ Styles. Yes! And the entire US title match, which was a, a four-way with uh, Dillinger, Styles, Rusev, and Corbin. That sounds dope. For that, it was a great match, and for the entire match, this kid was chanting, Yako Ada! <laughs> Is Ada AJ? Yeah, Ada was AJ. Uh, and couldn't even say, let's go. Yago. Yeah, I fucking... 
it's just like it made the show for me oh, to be so witness to such like unbearable cuteness. How was the rest of the crowd at yours? Any people that were a little insufferable? Uh, one guy who chanted or yelled about like show us your boobs during the women's uh. match, which you know I was disappointed by. But yeah, what do, do I that, expect from wrestling in the valley? Really? But Seattle was awful, man. Really? I was uh, in front of a group of guys who were just off. I turned around and had. I won't get it, but got a little bit into it with them at well, one point. Good for you, because I wanted to tell the guy gets talking about boobs all night in front of me. Like, fuck off. There's women here. Well, or even if there wasn't. I mean, it's just these guys. It's, not, the, it's no way to behave. Starting, but I didn't want to make a scene either. No, I know what you mean, right? But I'm with Danny. I got the kids beside me. I got Matt beside you know, So it's hard to know what to do in that yeah. situation. But by the end of the show, this was at 205 yeah, well, Live. For me, it was even worse, because I got Yago Ada behind me. And right <laughs> next to me... Like, on the left side, Show us your uh, I was there with a girl, and then to the left of me is, like, literally, like, a 10-year-old girl oh. who's there with her dad. How, and her how? dad was, like, a Bullet Club smart. He seemed awesome. He was, like, letting her in on all this backstage ah. stuff. It was great. That's excellent. But, yeah, and then in front of us is this dude yelling about boobs. It's like, read the fucking room, man. Yeah, no shit. It, it's so awful, and it does detract from the experience. My, now, my guy wasn't sexist, but they were, like, just a peanut gallery, like, trying to start the smarkiest chants constantly, okay. and just... Just awful. Shitting on everything that was going on for the entire show. And I was just like, ah, I don't really need to. The real star that. of the show for me, from uh, the crowd perspective, for the people behind me, who I think were the parents of Yago Ada, <laughs> uh, they were, like, giving the gears to Charles Robinson all night. So Charles Robinson too. was, like, the real star of the show. Like, anytime it was a near fall that ended in two, they were like, come on, Charles! <laughs> that was three! Come on, Chuck! Or, like, uh, That's just, good. you know, yelling at him to do his job better or whatever. <laughs> I'd say in terms of like who got the biggest crowd reaction, it was probably Charles, Charles Robinson, Robinson from those people throughout the show. <laughs> uh, but you were saying Jinder felt like a real genuine like massive star. Yeah, when the Singh brothers came out and did the the introduction, the modern day, mo almost an immediate USA chant breaking out, thunderous boos. Like and I don't know, I don't know how it picked up on TV. I haven't watched that. I think yet, that's what was missing for Abbotsford as well because despite the fact that they are homegrown Vancouver boys, we did not get the Singh brothers in Abbotsford. Oh, really? Yeah, I was very surprised by That's that. That's super There's weird. There's no Owens uh, on the card either, and no Usos or New Day. I wonder I where... But the Singh brothers, I mean, that seems super weird. But Jinder coming out, he felt like a genuine... Like, people hated this guy mm -hmm. and want to see him destroyed. When AJ came out for the interrupt, people were going bananas. They were ready for it. So maybe, while this has been a mixed run, and we should do a round on Jinder one of these days, talking about how it's been. If I it think does, probably in the lead-up to Survivor Series, we'll do a, a full retrospective on how Jinder's push has gone. Well, and especially if he does end up having that Brock Lesnar match, which, which is, is... looking like it will be the case. That's who we called out last night. Wow. Yeah. While I was there, I was like, oh, shit, here we go. And that got a kind of a big reaction. Big reaction. Just yeah. what do you think of rounds like this? Should we do more of these? Yeah, it's kind of fun. It's like loose, yeah. and we just, you know. Yeah, we're just being casual. I, exactly. We're yeah, just hashtag like, good friends. I feel like our friendship is kind of the appeal of the show in some ways, too. But, it's the appeal. You know? <laughs> Let's get on to listener questions. Yeah, we got a lot of questions this week in, we? our, in our mailbag. Uh-oh. Twitter mailbag. D I don't know. Did we? I thought we did. You were going over them with me before the show. Yeah, it feels... I, I don't know. It didn't strike me as a lot, but maybe it was. Well... I don't know how to count. You sometimes forget this. Yeah. I just... I, I guess. I yeah. just count on you to be like, that was six. Yeah, I mean, when you're a janitor, you're not really, like, 
you have to go to university for that job, I don't think, right? Wow. I just want to say to anyone out there doing a working class job, your boy Joshua Custodio is here standing with you in support. I, I don't look down on anybody. I'm not one of these elitists like John, young J.M.O. Morris said over here. Hey, I, I didn't finish university either. Look at me. I'm doing all right. You're doing great. You don't have to be a janitor if You're you don't great. go to university. You're going into date here. You're yeah, exactly. Amazing. Come on, what are you talking about? Uh, things are going well. <laughs> Justin, are you ready for our first question this week? <laughs> yeah, sure. It comes from the man himself, voice to last, Michael J. Floyd. Oh, classic mailbag contributor. I love this man, Justin. Here's his question. What was your favorite wrestling return of all time? Ooh. <laughs> I mean... That's a big question. I could almost do a round on wrestling returns. This is a big question. Yeah, of all time is tough. Who comes I, to mind for you? <sighs> you know, the the example that I brought up before when we were kind of discussing this question earlier before we recorded was uh, Stone Cold coming out during that uh, Rock Mankind title match on Biggest Monday Night ever. back in the day, uh, which is technically a return from injury, but both you and Mike were kind of giving me the business that, like... No, I think it's a good answer. That doesn't count as a return, necessarily. It does if mine does, which mine does, so yours does. Okay, because, yeah, that is honestly... Like, I've had this conversation with Patrick Monaghan, our boy Patty Moe, on Hello. Twitter before. Uh, it's the biggest pop of all time. And so, how can you not look at that as the biggest return? Yeah, I, I think putting it as your favorite. I mean, that moment is iconic when Foley grabs the belt after. He says, I did it! I yeah. did it! I mean, that it's an amazing title win. It is the biggest pop ever, and it's but, a great choice for I mean, return. Mike uh, and yourself a little bit to some extent where I was arguing that a return should be more like a guy coming back from like an extended absence having actually left the company. That's right. And in that sense, it's hard for me to think of anyone bigger than Shane because yeah. not only was that a genuine surprise until about maybe 45 seconds before he actually came out. I had no idea. It out. I still had no idea. I was uh, like, what the fuck, Shane McMahon it is just, here? It just seemed like, like CM Punk now, you know? If Punk were to come back in like two weeks oh, you would stop it you would go crazy because it seems impossible i'd probably kill myself uh of joy because li life couldn't get better after exactly that. right yeah, it would yeah. be peaking yeah exactly if but, he's just like i'm tired of this roman reigns bullshit it just, gts it just seems impossible that that would happen you it know does, yeah. so shane kind of qualifies for me on that front my answer actually is the man we were just talking about there it's cm punk his uh Taking one week off and then returning after winning the belt off Cena at Money in the Bank. I know it seems like a weird pick for favorite wrestling return. Because he did, was only gone a week. But it did seem like he was gone. I am one of these marks who was like, I suspect WWE has him under contract. This I remember what I was thinking this time. I remember making a, I don't know if it was a tweet or a Reddit post, something. I was like, I believe WWE has him under contract insofar as he can't go anywhere else. Mm -hmm. But in terms of him coming back as an active performer... I really don't know. I suspect they just extended his contract so that he doesn't go with that belt elsewhere and they can win the match for the moment. And I especially thought that when Cena won that same belt off Rey Mysterio, go, okay, so they just had the big moment and now everything's reset. Yeah. Cult of personality hits. And I know instantly that Punker has come home to roost and Cena ain't holding on to that belt. I was... So happy for a guy. Now, I still think the way to do it, of course, like everybody else, is to have him go away for at least a month, maybe show up, even in the audience at other promotions. Like, yeah. That would have felt huge. But in terms of he was maybe what I've most been into wrestling ever into, and thinking he was gone sucked, and having that remedied felt great. So I'll say CM Punk. All right. Good pick there. Thank you. You too. Our next question comes to us from Tyler McBride. What's up? 
who I believe is a relatively uh, new follower of the show. Yeah, I think the last couple episodes. Uh, Hello, Ty. And he asks, opinion on deathmatch wrestling. Love it. This is something that we've talked about before, and I assume that he's new because he would know that you are the king of watching the deathmatch. I am the king of the yeah. death watching the deathmatch. Yes. You are not the king of the deathmatch. No, match. no, 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 no. You are not the king of the deathmatch tournament. No, 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 no. You are king of the deathmatch and tournament watching. That's right. So you have Mick Foley, <laughs> Matt Tremont, and Joshua Custodio as yes. sort of your deathmatch. Yeah, listen. Low-end deathmatch wrestling is cheap. The criticisms that people throw at it are, are, I think, extremely valid, where it's just people who can't wrestle, a bunch of backyarders hitting each other with weapons. I completely understand I mean, that. Like you even go back and look at like what hardcore wrestling was in WWE and WCW. Like they did not yeah. understand why ECW was good. Not at all. They were just trying to do this facsimile of Yeah, it, right? and it was awful. Yeah. Like it's literally unwatchable by today's standards. Absolutely. When when Deathmatch Wrestling tries to just be blood and guts I mean, I still like it, but it's not its not what I like most about Deathmatch Wrestling. What I like most about Deathmatch Wrestling is that feeling you get when Neville's climbing to the top turnbuckle and you think he might do the red arrow, or, or somebody's about to do a plancha over to the floor, but that's elevated because they're doing it into tacks or mm-hmm. light tubes. I understand that can be cheap, but the, there's... Any amount of fakeness of pro wrestling is entirely removed at deathmatch wrestling. Yeah. There's you cannot bump through twenty five glasses. I mean, I, we talked last week about that Hell in a Cell main event with Kevin Owens and, and Shane McMahon. Right. Every moment that they spent on top of that cell was high intensity. That's right. And not just like intense, but like anxious. I was actually scared for what was going to happen and how they were going to come down from there. Right. And that kind of is amplified to sort of every moment within death matches, whether it's tack spots or light tubes or whatever. Absolutely. And and to people who think it is just cheap and these guys can't wrestle, I'd really encourage you to go find a Nick Gage match, go find a Joey Janela match, go find a Matt Tremont match. These are guys who are doing modern deathmatch wrestling and can also easily transition into other play. Even Leo Rush, who's now signed in WWE, has done some. So, uh, yeah, I love them, especially at the high end. Yeah, uh, and I've said in the past that, like, Going to that sort of thing live. I don't think I would, though. Uh, like, you know, we had that Kenny Lush versus Leatherface. Oh, that was sick. 1, the 10,000 tax yeah, match. Yeah, 10,000 tax match. I I was very... I, I wanted to go to that show because Joey Ryan was on it. Yep. But I also did Wrestling not want to feel Galaxy. like I was an accomplice to something awful. Right. Uh, that match fucking rocked, by the way. <laughs> and Xavier Galaxy versus Joey Ryan was also excellent. Well, I, I believe that because Joey Ryan is great and Xavier Galaxy is... The number one pro wrestler on Earth? Mm, he's a villain. I'll give him that much. Let's get to our next question here, which of <laughs> course from the Borgman superfan, Blair Pachico. A good boy, Blair, who asks, what is your favorite celebrity-related wrestling moment and least favorite? Do you have a, an answer on the ready for this one, Justin? Uh, favorite celebrity-related moment. I got one if you need a minute. Um, my least favorite is probably like Drew Carey being in the Royal Rumble. Oh, that's a good. That's a good. Because that, that's favorite. like crossing the line, I think, in, into like uh, taking celebrity involvement. And when you actually put it in a match that means so much, like obviously he got tossed out really quick. Even but so. Like, you only have 20 yeah. guys. He doesn't belong. Or oh, sorry, you, 30, 30 guys. It, but yeah, it's like it's a waste. I agree. That's a good least one. Uh, for most, I'm sure I could probably think of something better overall. And Blair brings up one that is a personal favorite of mine, which is Kevin Owens powerbombing Machine Gun Kelly off so the stage. So good. It's one of the greatest. Because like 
I fucking hate when it's like we take a break from Raw to have a musical guest or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awful. Yeah, like, I agree. Uh, so for Machine Gun Kelly to not only uh, willingly take that bump, but have his like music spot be interrupted for it, shows like a great awareness and fandom on his part that gives me some respect for him yeah. as a celebrity being involved. And also, like for Kevin Owens, who was still a pretty new, fresh character at that point was like one of the most exciting things so I'd seen sick. on Raw in ages that this guy had so little respect for the show that he was going to come out <laughs> and hit his finisher off the fucking stage through a table on the celebrity musical guest. But uh, my actual choice here, because I don't want to steal Blair's, is going to be... That is a great one, though. Pete Rose. All of his involvement with Kane over the oh. years back at WrestleMania when I was a teenager, back when I was a kid. Oh. Like uh, it's funny to me that like Pete Rose is this huge controversial figure within sports. Yeah. Because whenever I think of him, I think of him <laughs> wearing a chicken costume, getting tombstoned by Kane. Wow, at that's a good one. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, the Machine Gun Kelly one also came to mind for me. So good call by Blair and you. But I'm gonna go with the one uh, again. Given more time and thinking about it, looking at the list, I might come up with something different. But the first one that comes to mind and the answer I like to give was uh, specifically the Miz interacting with Grumpy Cat. Okay. Do you remember Grumpy Cat? I do remember Grumpy it's Cat, like a... and I do remember this episode of Raw as well. Yeah, the, the Grumpy Cat. For those of you who aren't familiar, is like a meme animal. It was a cat who looked mad all the yeah. time. You might even say Grumpy. Yeah. Uh, and the Miz was like pitching a movie to it because the Miz was such a star fucker and the hanger on that he's like, hey, maybe we could do something <laughs> to Grumpy Cat. I thought this was hilarious and this was in the guest host era where they kept shoehorning in these terrible segments. When the Entourage guys were oh, on there. Or the, I think it was like The View or The Talk or one of those daytime talk shows. Yeah. Like, I just had some Remember bullshit. Remember when Turtle from Entourage came out <laughs> yes. to answer the John Cena <laughs> open challenge? Now, technically, it was on behalf of Zack Ryder who wrestled oh. the match, but there was like a good 30 seconds there where I thought Turtle from Entourage was going to <laughs> wrestle John Cena. He's going to be the champ. Uh, now, Blair also li lists as his least favorite uh, David Arquette and his run in WCW, but I'm going to stick up for that yeah. because as someone who is an avid listener of Keep It 2000 yep. with uh, Brian Maxwell Mann and... Uh, Nate Milton. Milton, uh, I love. I don't the even show. listen. How do I know that? I love the show. Have it's them on. Great. Let's invite them on. It's a it's a throw. It's a reexamination of the worst year of pro wrestling probably ever, and that's WCW in the year 2000. But uh, they honestly came to realize that that was not a bad run. It, it's a bad run at at the start yeah. when Arquette is presented as a babyface, but once he wins the title and turns heel, his heel promo. <laughs> Is excellent. And like, <laughs> That's not surprising. He's an actor. Yeah, hugely entertaining, and he's clearly a big fan who's having the time of his fucking life That's doing cool. that. So, you know, I if Blair wants to say babyface Arquette is the worst ever, I can get on board with that, but heel Arquette was really good. Well, not to speak for him, but I, I do think that Blair probably means Arquette winning the belt, yes. which does seem like egregious, no matter how good he was having a, a celebrity guest do that. Sure. I, I don't really have a least favorite besides just everyone in that guest host era that just had a boring 10-minute segment. Yeah. 
You got a question for us, Justin. I do. It's from my uh, number one most hated enemy in the world. And my good friend. Xavier Galaxy, who we were just talking about. Uh, he asks, most underrated pro wrestler in the Bullet Club? This is going to sound like a stupid answer, and if you think it's a stupid answer, you might still be a smart person. But I'm going to say Marty Skrull, who yeah. I know everyone knows is good. Yeah. Everyone knows Marty Skrull is good. So it's like, how could he be underrated? Here's how Marty Skrull can be underrated. I think right now, this minute, he is WWE main event level ready. I think he's that good as a promo. I think he has the look. I think he's that good as a wrestler. Whoop, whoop. Get at me, Marty Skrull, most underrated wrestler in the Bullet Club. And I'm going to take that same answer as well because, oh. uh, you know, the, I think he – there's other guys in the Bullet Club that I don't think, like, are as talented maybe as the, the high end, obviously. No, people want us to say Tama Tonga here because yeah. he's – He's sort of improving. It's like, oh, maybe he's underrated. No, he's not the bad boy. Yeah. He's the bad at wrestling boy. Yeah. Got and, it. like, you know, we talked about Cody Rhodes earlier with Ian. I certainly like Cody more than you do, but yeah. I still don't think he's, like, that great of a wrestler. He's just – I think he's entertaining and he has charisma and he can do good matches, but he's not a great performer. Yeah. And to me, I think Marty Skrull is that. And I would pick him as the most underrated because, like you said, he is ready for the big time. But he is not so much a household name in so much as any indie guy can be a household name yeah. as, say, the Young Bucks or Kenny, Kenny Omega, Omega already are. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. agree with you 100% there. Uh, our last question this week, Justin, comes to us from uh, dear friend, good brother, Michael Noble at Bike Melon on Twitter. My roommate who's in the other room right now. Yeah, did he like, when did he tweet this in? I don't know, a couple hours ago. Mike, if you can hear us, we're about to do your question. <laughs> uh, Mike asks us, how far can Brock Lesnar toss Samir Singh? Uh, I'm hoping that if, like, this is going to, like, to me, the appeal of Jinder versus Brock, if they are going to do it, yeah. and I think it's stupid to do it. Oh, oh okay. Be- well, talk about that. Uh, we'll do a round on it later. No, I'll tell, I'll tell you right now. Because both of these guys are likely hanging on to their respective belts until WrestleMania. Okay. So to weaken either of them on the build to that is bad for business. Oh. Like, what are you going to do? Like, ultimately, I don't think there's any way. Like, is Jinder going to beat Brock? Suddenly that invalidates, like, the moment that they're building Roman towards. And is Brock going to beat Jinder? Probably, but then you make Jinder look like a chump after feeding Nakamura to him for three months in a row. So what was the point of any of that? Who would you rather beat Brock, Jinder or Roman? Oh, for sure Jinder. Me too. For sure Jinder. <laughs> Just because of like what a what-the-fuck so moment dumb. it would yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. And, and like – that they would just be pushing all of their chips in on him. It would be incredible. But to me, the entire appeal of this match is Brock and the Sting Brothers. Yeah, just the horrific bumps these poor because men will take. if Randy Orton could ragdoll these guys oh. with ease, and he yeah. did, think of what Brock can do. There's a 0% chance that there isn't an F5 with both of them on his shoulders in yeah. that match. 0% that that doesn't happen. And to answer Mike's specific question, yeah. which is how far can he toss Samir, yeah. I'm thinking you might see a table spot where Brock throws him from the ring, like above his head yeah. in the ring, through the announce table outside. I would like to see that. You see, I was actually going to say 30 meters, but then I was reading on the dirt sheets today that Samir Singh is actually made out of mercury. He's extremely – he's like the densest dude oh, really? on the WWE roster. So I don't even know if Brock can lift him, oh. much less throw him. So I guess zero meters. I heard that he was a mercurial individual, but I didn't realize <laughs> that that was literal. <laughs>
and that'll do it for the questions this week. We will end on a high note and thank our guest once again. Man, how great was that? That was a good joke. Well, what a, well, no, I was talking about the interview. Oh, uh, oh man, Ian brought the heat. Yeah, Ian is Ian a Williams, pariah. Ian Williams, our guest this week, our first guest ever yeah, here on please Top come Marks. Back. Uh, we should have more guests Holy fuck, going that forward, was funny. but especially have him come back because yeah. that's a very smart man, a great wrestling mind, a very strong writer. Absolutely. And uh, it looks like his stuff is going to be coming back to Vice proper and well, not just on Waypoint going forward. I don't want to tip my hat too much there. Don't, but don't tip your hat. I got some dirt sheets. Put that hat back on. On the future of Ian Williams at Vice. And now in your defense. Say, in your def- it's looking bright. Well, listen, in your defense, it's the same dirt sheet that sends to be a sickness made out of mercury. That's so true. That's remember. true. Justin, if you did enjoy today's show, which I think you did, yeah. what, what would you do uh, to, to let people know about it? What are ways that you could say, hey, I like Top Marks and other wrestling podcasts? I'd probably head on over to uh, the iTunes store. Oh, okay. And yep. like, rate and review the show there. Interesting. Because that always gives us a little bump in the algorithms. We love it. Look, we're chasing this other Top Marks podcast in Canada, but only in Canada, Josh. Oh. We are the top Top Marks in America. So look at that. Look at our international appeal. We're doing good. Oh, my gosh. I feel good. In the United States. We're like New Japan. We could probably do better there than we are giving ourselves credit <laughs> for. Uh, but, of course, you can also head to Twitter and tweet about the show and tell folks that you like it. And it's always a treat for us to see uh, the show get that kind of response. At Top Marks Pod on Twitter. Yes. You can find us there. And, uh, of course, you can find Ian at Brock Toon. That's Brock underscore T. O-O-N. And again, one last thank you to him for appearing on the show this week. Until next week, however, uh, you know, uh, if you're out there living your life, you know, whether you're climbing a ladder or sitting on a chair or setting a table, I think we can all agree that there's certain principles that a man has to live by. Justin, there's no question. When uh, I'm seated in a chair, I like to, you know, be hot. Yeah. And, like, if I'm going to eat food at a table, I'd prefer that it would be spicy. And, frankly, if I'm climbing a ladder, I want it to taste great. And because it's TLC, <laughs> you're Curry Man! That was our worst one yet. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Worst! <laughs> Titus, Lottles, and Chase! I wanted to make it the confirmed worst one. (laughs) Well, I think we did that.